Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We are live, and as I do every week, everybody say hello. hello. All right. We don't pay residuals for being shown on video. I'm sorry. All right. But anyway, uh, we come today, and uh, he is the way maker. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for our time together this morning. And dear Heavenly Father, you are a way maker. And as crazy as this world gets and as confused as we get sometimes, Lord, I was just reminded as Billy Graham preached one time that you are in control and there is nothing that is happening that you don't know about. You are a way maker. So make a way for us, Lord, to do your will. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. As a world, we have been dealing with the coronavirus epidemic. And as a nation, we are now fractured by racism. Well, not now, but we've always been fractured by racism. But it seems like it is uh, first and foremost. Now, what will history reveal about the way we handled ourselves in 2020? I've seen plenty of social media memes and comments about how unfair and how terrible 2020 is. But, you know... What will our children tell their children about the year 2020 and the trying times that we have endured? You see, this morning, I wouldn't call what I'm sharing with you a sermon. Uh, it's more of an overflow of my heart and emotions. And uh, this is prayerfully structured by God's Word. So you see, we all have our feelings, opinions, and biases about what's going on today. But the one thing that will help all of us keep united in Christ, no matter where we are on the spectrum, is that if we are God's children, if we are called according to the purpose of loving God and loving others, then God's Word applies to us in every situation, no matter how out of control 2020 becomes. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, with it being an election year, it was going to be a nasty election, and it's not going to get better. The the worst of people's... Drives are going to be out there, but it doesn't have to affect us. And so the thing is, is that in these days, whether it be on social media or whether we're talking uh, to folks, we must choose our words carefully. And I promise you, as I'm sharing with you this morning, uh, there's been much prayer put in to this uh, heartfelt plea. I pray that my words are chosen carefully because I am finding that no matter the intent of my heart, of someone who is speaking like myself, it's not always received as it was intended. So I will start off as honest as I can. Uh, This is going to be a shock to you, but I am not black. For real. I am not black, and I'm not trying to to be funny. It's just the truth. I know it's a shocker to some of you, but my skin has two colors. It has white And it has pink. If I am tan, it is because my freckles have grown together. Alright? So, uh, that is my skin pigmentation situation. But you see, being born in Virginia and raised in South Carolina, I have always known about racial tensions. But quite honestly, never paid it much attention because I truly just love people. But as I got older, I began to see shades of racism in middle school and high school. It usually centered around a fight or someone who was dating someone outside of the race. 
Some of you who are older remember segregation. Blacks and whites not using the same water fountains, not going to the same schools and more. But over the years I have heard whites tell jokes about other races, and I am sure that they have said jokes, the other races have said jokes about white people as well. But you know what? Honestly, today, before you and before God, I wish I could take back every joke that I've either heard or told that relates to someone's color of their skin, no matter what color that is. Because, see, racism is among us. And racism is subtle. I mean, we have no problem identifying those that are protesting on whatever side of the issue they are. But many white people have held their purse tighter or checked the locks on their door when a person of color gets closer to them. Many people of color know the fear. If you and I get pulled over by a police officer, we're fearful that we may get a ticket. Someone of color may be fearful that they are going to lose their life and at best be hurt. These are small indicators of a bigger problem. But you see, I don't know if you know this or not, but racism is actually a part of Southern Baptist history. We're trying to correct that, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson right here. In the origins of Baptist history in America, churches would meet every three years, and they would call this meeting the Triennial Convention. In other words, an every three-year convention. And these conventions attempted to take no definitive stand on slavery. But some wished to abolish slavery, but yet others wanted to keep it. So in 1844... The Home Mission Society refused to ordain James Reeve of Georgia as a missionary. Why did they refuse to ordain James Reeve as a missionary? Because he was a slave owner. He had slaves. And so in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia, which is not far from here, there was a split from the North Mission Society called the Southern Baptist Convention. And the remaining of those that stayed eventually became the American Baptist. So the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches were established because they believed that slavery was okay and should be appreciated. Now, I I know that when you say that, hopefully that's not us today. But in... I, like many others, did not know about this history of Southern Baptists until a few years ago. This is not something that Southern Baptist pastors and churches want to be known for. Which caused the Southern Baptist Convention to take a stand in 2019. You may have heard about it and kind of dismissed it and said, well, they're kind of going a little over the top. But when you see what we came from. Look, there are white people in the Southern Baptist Convention. There are black people in the Southern Baptist Convention. There are red, yellow, black, and white. All all these different races. But it's predominantly white. And so the convention got together. And if you don't know how the convention works, unlike, say, the Episcopals or the Presbyterian, where they have a a board that governs and they they assign preachers and they, they assign the policies and all this kind of stuff. No, we as a Southern Baptist church are autonomous. We can do what we want. How we want, but we ascribe to the Southern Baptist Convention. And so the difference is, is that when we pass a resolution, it is churches and members, members from churches, they call messengers, that come together and vote. And so the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in 2019 
This is what they resolved. This is a resolution that they passed. And it says that the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, June 11 through 12, affirmed Scripture as the first, last, and sufficient authority with regard to how a church seeks to address social ills. And we reject any conduct, creeds, or religious opinions with, that contradict Scripture. Now, in order to clarify this and other resolutions that were voted on in that meeting, the Southern Baptist Convention issued a statement that they wanted to declare to the public. And this is what it says. It says, We apologize to all African Americans for condoning and or perpetrating individual and systematic racism in our lifetime. And we genuinely repent of racism of which we have been guilty, whether consciously or unconsciously, and we ask forgiveness from our African American brothers and sisters, acknowledging that our own healing is at stake. This was a movement that our convention sought to take to get away from what we were formed out of. And now there are some on this issue, and maybe some even here will say, well, preacher, i got no problem with that. That's between you and the Lord. But the thing is, is that racism is no joking matter. Now, many people feel like racism is not a big deal today, but, but those who feel that they are often not the ones who are subject to the effects. Most of the people that say there is no racism are either white or have never been subjected to racism. For example, I am thrilled that private companies are sending people into space, but I know that I'm never going to be one of them. You see, so how can we all gain a biblical understanding of how our brothers and sisters in Christ should respond? How can we be more Christ-like and do more than just share our opinions on social media? Or the telephone. Or the water cooler. I'll tell you what. Most of the time when we start talking about this, we see that um, most people will say, Well, preacher, I'm not, I'm not racist. I don't tell racist jokes. And most white people, they'll say eventually, i got a black friend. Don't they? I mean, really. I know black people. I, I've friended black people on Facebook. Yeah, I've got my best friend in kindergarten was a black a black boy. I didn't know it was wrong at then. And so all we can do, how do we go from here? How do we as a church look if we held if we hold on to our Southern Baptist heritage that we were established with, we might as well close the doors now in this community. Because look around. It's different. I know I've heard about the glory days of, of Pine Valley and, and or, uh, Orville and, and New Hope and all these other established churches that have been around back when they were busting people in and having 500 worship. But you show me a church like this is still doing that. And if we're going to say we're only going to reach out to the people that are like us, we might as well close the door. So what do we do? How can we understand? And I'm going to tell you what I did. I just ended up calling some people of color and having a frank conversation with them. And you know what I said? I said what I said to, them, to you earlier. I said, look, brother, I'm not black. And there's the initial joke, you know, the laughter. But I said, no, really, I'm not. I, don't, I do not understand. Please educate me on what to do. And then when you start thinking about that, 
As I prayed and I reflected and asked God to show me how to lead our church through these difficult days, some of these things have resulted in me being honest with the fact that there are things about black culture that I do not nor never will understand. So how do I minister to those in the African-American community as well as Caucasians at the same time? The answer I got set me free. The answer is so clear and so obvious that when my brother gave this to me, it made perfect sense. And God gave this answer to you and to me. And here is the answer. It is summed up by Jesus himself in the New Testament. The answer I heard was this. All we can do is love one another. All we can do is love one another. Now, that looks good on a greeting card. That looks good on a bumper sticker. Let's make a meme of that and put it on Facebook and show people how understanding we are and put it with a black background and white words or whatever we want to do that the cool thing is to this day. But it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to post it. It's one thing to put it on a bumper sticker. It's another thing to do it. You see, we do not need to know everything about someone to love them. And to be honest with you, we don't even need to like everything about somebody to love them. We must love God or we must love others like God loves us. We must forgive others as God has forgiven us. And we must serve others as God has served us through his son, Jesus Christ. So let me show you a few scriptures in our time this morning. That deal with what we're talking about. Demonstrate God's love to everyone. Matthew 23, 22, verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Folks, the best way to turn this world back towards God is to demonstrate God's love to others. Notice what it says. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is most important? Of the commandments and the law of Moses. Jesus replied. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your soul. All your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law. And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Why did Jesus say this? Well number one. The Pharisees. They were trying to deflate Jesus' ministry. The Pharisees had identified over, check this out, 600 different laws that they needed to keep to be in right standing with God and to be good uh, Jews. And the experts who approached Jesus wanted to know, of all those 600 plus rules, which ones could they really not worry about? Do you realize the predicament they were putting him in? If Jesus would have said any one of those things were insignificant, they would say, "Uh uh-huh, I told you he wasn't the Messiah. He says that's not important. So if that's not important, then that's not important. And then that's not important. And then look, we are so much better than him because we can keep that law. They were trying to take the wind out of Jesus' sails. But when Jesus is so Jesus, (laughs) when Jesus gave this greatest commandment, he wasn't just making that out of his head. He was that wasn't really a divine. I mean, it was a divine word from his father. But he was actually quoting the Jews' own scriptures in that answer. It says in Deuteronomy 6.5, which they would have known, 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then it says in Leviticus 19.18, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. And the thing is, is that if you look at these two commandments, to love God and love others, and you place that over the Ten Commandments, you will see that when it says, Love the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is a summary of uh, Ten Commandments, number one through four. No other gods before Him. No idols. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. They all deal with God. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second set, five through ten. Honor your parents. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And do not covet what other people have. Folks, we must love. This means as a believer in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, we must love Him first and others second. You see, this is the measuring stick to which we are to measure our response in everything that we do. When you are responding to someone that is asking you about what's going on in 2020, are you responding with love, ignorance, stupidity, or bigotry? This measures that. We are to respond in love. There are no loopholes regarding someone's skin color. There are no loopholes regarding someone's beliefs or the size of their bank account or the clothing that they wear or the situation they are in their life. Love means loving regardless. I'm reminded of a Pharisee who asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied in Matthew 25, 45, he says, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. This verse will have a profound impact in our lives and in this world if we focus on what we can do in love and not what we cannot do. Well, the second thing is, and this is big, in James 1, 9, love is listening. I guarantee you, those that I know that love me, when I have, when I have something I need to share with them, they are going to listen to me. And if we truly love people, we will listen to them. If we truly love God, we will listen to God. It says in James 1, 9, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Boy, whew. Yeah, there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? So we can listen more than we should talk. And to not become angry, slow to become angry. No, don't get me wrong. Anger is an emotion. Jesus showed anger when he cleared the temple. But it wasn't directed at his brothers and sisters. It was directed at the unholy practices that were being taken, that were being done in the temple. But here's the thing. When we listen... We've got to avoid the tendency to take sides immediately. We've got to avoid the tendency to take sides immediately. It is very easy for someone to immediately go to the pre-generated labels of Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Police Lives Matter, and more. The problem is with these statements is that they proclaim what someone believes, but leave no room in listening for other people. People feel like 
If I slap a label on it, you can't say nothing about it. And I don't want to hear what you have to say. That is not listening. That is posturing. Yes, black lives matter. But when someone says, yes, black lives matter, but all lives matter, you know what you have just said? You have just said, I am not listening to the problems that you're addressing. By saying, well, all lives matter, not just black lives. Look, I understand that, but have you taken time to truly try to understand what's going on? Police lies. Police lies. Do they matter? Absolutely. Each day they place their lives and families on the line to often protect people that do not appreciate it and are now wanting to hurt them and even hunt them. Folks, some conversations need to take place. Not for the opportunity to let people know what you think, but for an opportunity to understand. To understand the fear of being targeted due to the color of your skin. Understand the fear of wanting to go home to your family after a shift on patrol. Folks, we must continually be praying to find God's will in all of this. The third thing that we see is that love is not responding to sin with more sin. Love is not responding to sin with more sin. It says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, love is not responding to sin with another sin. It was wrong for that police officer to treat George Floyd that way. That's not the way they're trained. That's not the way they should do it. It was an atrocity. Was George Floyd a saint? Absolutely not. But still, even the worst of people don't deserve to be treated like that. Until they are suffocated. But at the same time, it's not fair to hunt down and kill police officers just because they wear a badge. I do not know how breaking down a storefront, hurting and even killing store owners for a TV, a flat screen, or an Xbox, or whatever you're trying to get. How does that prove your indignation? You don't answer evil with evil. When you answer evil with evil, it just escalates. And when you shoot off a little comment about, you know, he got what it deserved or it's not that big a deal or I'm not listening, you are part of the problem, not part of the solution. God does not want us to escalate the situation. He wants to address it in love. Yes, sin brings death. In the eternal sense, Sin separates us from God. Without the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, we are headed to death and hell. But sin also kills a relationship. Lying, cheating, hostility. It will kill a relationship. It will kill when sin takes life. Murder, defamation, gossip, and hatred. Look around at our world and in your own life. How does it work when someone sins against you, then you decide... To sin against them or someone else. Doesn't work out too good, does it? This causes escalation and more death. Literal death. Loss of life. Death to relationships. Death to compassion for others. When is the last time we've heard anybody say that we have compassion on others? Death to the closeness that we feel with God our Creator. And death to any hope of resolution. Here's the thing we got to remember. Don't let the sins of a few characterize the masses. 
Don't let the sins of a few characterize the masses. The murders that the murderers that killed George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and many others should be brought to justice, and that is happening. The rioters and looters that have stolen and brutally killed people must be brought to justice. But justice is not for us to carry out on our own. For bad police officers that do not, that four police officers do not mean that every police officer is bad. There are good police officers that are outraged at this act against George Floyd that was done by men with a badge that took the same oath to serve and protect as they did. George Floyd, again, was not a saint, but he did not deserve death. The brave men and women who do their job to protect us every day do not deserve the hatred because these men acted in such a sinful way. Rabid rioters do not make every peaceful protester look bad. One of the greatest rights we have as Americans, folks, is the right to free speech and the right to assemble. Folks, one bad Christian doesn't make every Christian bad. Just because one Christ, someone who claims to be a Christian bombs an abortion clinic, did everybody think that every Christian is like that? No. Just because a few police officers act like that, is that every police officer? No. Just because of one person of color acts like that, is that anybody? No, but it's part of us living in a fallen nature. And you are no better than them. I am no better than them because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Again, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Folks, we must choose life. We must choose life. Don't blame the media for the situation that we are in. I saw on, I think, Facebook this morning, our our local paper reported that there was un, unrest and tension at the Anderson rally. I don't know what they're talking about because I saw the rally. We were doing our Wednesday night Bible study. But before that, I saw the rally. I, didn't, I mean, I saw pastors praying. I saw the sheriff speaking. I saw people, a lot of people there, and it didn't look unruly to me. But, yeah, they're going to spin it. I understand that because spin sells. But here's the thing is that we need to choose life. We don't need to blame the media for the situation we're in. Why? Because why do they spin it? Because we crave it. Nom, 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 nom. Give me something to talk about with my friends. Give me something to complain about. Give me something to be mad about. Yes, they have a responsibility in this, but they only report what the viewers want to see. They thrive because our country, it craves hate right now. It craves sin. And it craves vengeance. The only way to stop death is to choose life through Jesus Christ. It's time for you and I to choose Jesus Christ. It's time for compassion. It's time for listening. And it's time to seek understanding. And it's time to love. Because we are all called to be peacemakers. And if you're uncomfortable, I'm sorry, we're about to finish up. I'm uncomfortable too. We are called to be peacemakers. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, he's talking to you, good church folks, and he's talking to me. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ 
rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Folks, it's time to quit worrying about being right with ourselves. It's time to quit worrying about being right with ourselves. We must be right with God. And we must be right with our neighbors. And that is only accomplished through love. Jesus said himself in John 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love is one. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Folks, let's let the world start seeing what we're for and not only what we're against. And look, I know as I have preached this, I cannot imagine that I could address every issue that everybody has on here or is watching on Facebook Live or may watch via a rebroadcast of that. The Holy Spirit will do that. And I can't fix every situation. But I am not God. And you're not either. That's why we need to trust Him. Do things happen that are wrong? Absolutely. Do people of color do wrong things? Absolutely. Do people that have no color do wrong things? Yes. Do people that have pink skin (laughs) do things that are wrong? Absolutely. Because we live in a fallen world. And we need to pray for God to take justice on those that do that. But we don't need to let those acts take us down with them. I was set free when I was talking to my friends and they said, really... All you can do is love one another. And to say, well, preacher, I don't see the color of somebody's skin. That's a lie. We see it. And a lot of times we don't understand what goes into somebody of another color. But sometimes maybe we just need to say, hey, let me know what's going on. Enlighten me. Show me. You will only know godly love. By being his child. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. You will not be able to carry this out. And you are not part of the solution. You are part of the problem in this world. Because we can only love as Jesus loves. When we have his love inside of us. And you will only know true forgiveness. You will only know how to forgive others. When you have been forgiven yourselves. You will only know peace. By experiencing the peace. That God brings to his children. And the answer for today starts in your heart today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, as you have guided this message, Lord, and guided our time together. Lord, one day in heaven, when we're all brought back to you, we're not going to be separated into different communities We're not going to be segregated because we are all made in your image. We are image bearers of you. May we quit attacking one another. But that's the result of sin. And the devil and Satan and evil have won. They feel like they have won because we are at each other's throats. But dear Heavenly Father, as long as you give me breath, I'm going to love And that means sometimes forgiving. And that means sometimes looking past things to show your love to others. I can't tell everybody in here what to do. I don't need to. Your word has already done it. We need to love you 
and to love others. It's that simple, but yet it's that difficult at the same time. Father, deal with our hearts. I know that in a church like this, and if this is out you know, in the whole Internet and interwebs and all that kind of stuff like that, that there will be people here that still have some of that hate, some of that heritage, as they call it. And, Lord, you can deal with them just as you have people on the other side of that that don't want to hear anything about reconciliation. I don't claim to be perfect, but I claim to know that your word has given us the answer. So if there's one person here today that does not know you as their Savior and Lord, they have not been forgiven of their sins, regardless of their color, regardless of their background or how much money is in their wallet. If they want to know you today, may they just pray, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creature and help me to live for you for the rest of my life. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it, Tell me or a preacher you're comfortable with. But Lord, there are many believers here today that are anxious about these days. Remind them as you've reminded me. Cover everything and measure everything with love. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for this time of worship this morning. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. (laughs) 